Today's episode is sponsored by Esther's Easter Egg Alternatives. They've gone above and beyond to reinvent the Easter egg by using a spicy sausage meat outer shell and a soft yolk center. They've created a truly revolutionary culinary delight. The Scotch Easter Egg is available in all good retailers. Terms and conditions may apply, may resemble balls instead of eggs. Beer and bants are not liable for any misrepresentation of the products. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 30 of Beer and Bants. My name's James. My name's Chris. You weren't too sure whether it was episode 30 or not, I wasn't, you? I wasn't, no. It's almost like this I is not our first attempt at this, James, as well. Yeah, um, but the important thing is we're there now, Chris, so uh, we're going to move past it, as always, <laughs> and I think I think we should just move on to our first beer, don't you, Chris? Okay, so this one, uh, the trend tester for this episode is called Berliner Pilsner. Now, this was actually recommended. There was actually a really good recommendation on Instagram about this beer. I've never actually had it before. I don't believe you've had it either. No. Um, now, the biggest problem is I actually can't remember who recommended the beer. So <laughs> who actually recommended it? I'm really sorry. Um, but, yeah, we actually picked it because of that. But I've had a bit of a, uh, let's just say, a brain fart uh it's probably the best way to describe it so yeah, yeah. so billion of pills we all have some chris <laughs> uh yeah i mean you had a massive one before we started didn't we all right so uh, this is actually brewed in berlin if i'll let you have a swig while i'm okay. having a look through so this is a well it's a pilsner so essentially it's a slightly stronger flavored lager really now the one thing i was intrigued by because the recommendation we had said although it's actually quite a decent priced beer the flavour is actually quite enjoyable and better than some of the better brands you would have. So that kind of like draw me in because we don't really do pills and we tend to do more, more generic kind of ales, pale ales, yeah. ambers, that type of thing, IPAs, that type. So I thought it'd be nice as a bit of a change. So what's your uh, verdict on it? Well, I'm not like Chris. It's a shame I can't remember who recommended it because it is a really good recommendation. <laughs> that is a really good flavour. Like the aftertaste, it tastes strong. I mean, it's 5% and I think you can definitely taste the strength of it. It tastes um, stronger it than 5%, really, really, doesn't it? It is really pleasant. Yeah, it's really pleasant though. Um, yeah, I think that's the thing you get with a good Pilsner though is, you know, that little bit extra than a lager. It is that little bit of extra kind of punch to it. Um, that That's just really good. Yeah, it's... Well, the one thing I was actually intrigued with, because there's quite a lot of times where German beers get described as pilsners and you drink them, it's like, no, it's just a German lager. Yeah, you know, but they just stick that branding on it. But no, this actually does taste like a, a pilsner. There is a, a very subtle um, a hoppy taste to it, but not yeah. anything that's going to be overpowering. So any kind of generic lager drinker will enjoy this. They don't need to be on the craft beer scene at all. No, it's actually very enjoyable. Um I'm quite yeah. intrigued as why the can has so much Japanese writing on it, if I'm honest. Um <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I was thinking <laughs> the exact same thing. Because it's made, no it's made in uh, made in Berlin uh, and imported over to the UK, yet all the normal blurb about the recycling and everything is just all Japanese. It's really random. But yeah, so there's not really much to say about it. It's it's a pilsner. It's, it's enjoyable. It's refreshing. It is, yeah. Uh, I mean, I suppose I suppose for any of our listeners who don't necessarily drink pilsners much, I mean, for me, it is that balance between what is a craft beer and a lager. It's kind of the body of a lager, you know. So you're not, you know, it's not. Uh, it's very light bodied, but then it has got more of kind of that hoppiness that you would normally get from like a pale ale or craft beer or something like that. But not like an IPA hoppy level. I think you know, it is more subtle. 
in terms yeah, of the, that aftertaste. So. There is a very subtle flavour in the like the hot flavour that's in it, and I can't really quite put my finger on it, but it does give it a, just a little different edge. So, you know, I mean, this isn't for, obviously, you've got your normal Carlin drinkers, because let's face it, you shouldn't be listening to us anyway. Um, but no, it's, it's definitely oh, very, wow. very enjoyable. Who, who drink, it's a shame I have no Carlin? idea who actually recommended it. It's uh, I feel really <laughs> bad now. Um, <laughs> It's a shame when it's a good recommendation as well. If it was yeah. a, actually equally, if it was bad, it would be quite good to know as well. I think it's more so, fun if it's bad, to be honest. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's definitely enjoyable. Well, yeah. if you ever get a chance to grab a Berliner Pilsner, definitely recommend it. Right, James, I, I do believe you have a subject for us. It is a subject. I think, you know, it's a few questions for you, Chris. You know, uh, we, we talked a lot about video games and... Uh, I suppose, technology. But whenever we talk about technology, it's normally very specific. I think we've talked about electric cars in the past and stuff like that, yes. haven't we, uh, on the podcast. But there's there's something I keep seeing on the internet more and more. And uh, excuse I, me, don't talk about your uh, porn habit. Please keep that uh, from the podcast. Honestly, Nugget is the new kind. If anybody's... No? Okay, it doesn't matter. Anyway, I'm not going to let that one straight out of my head, so... Uh... Oh, you don't know what that is? No. <laughs> oh, I'll, exp- I'll explain it afterwards. Anybody who's listening... <laughs> I don't re- recommend searching it. Uh, Definitely not probably, on a work computer. Um. Not, yeah, it's not safe for work at all. Mm. <laughs> no, so uh, what I want to talk about was foldable technology and foldable phones, because it's something that I've seen a lot recently. And I actually, one of my friends recently got the Samsung Galaxy Fold, which I think is the biggest waste of money ever. <laughs> I was curious to know what your thoughts on foldable phones and foldable technology are and uh, whether or not you think that's going to be the future. Personally, I think it's a gimmick. Um, it is, well, let's be honest, most most future products are gimmicks, though, let's be honest. I'm sure when the iPod Touch came out, it was very gimmicky, but it did catch on. Right? Well, an iPod Touch was just the iPhone without the phone part, really, so um, it just yeah. made it cheaper to make. But yeah. for me, the whole type of folding Samsung, I do believe there's a really weird clause in it because I... When it first came out, somebody I knew, their friend had bought one, like, she like, had okay. it on the first day. Um, and what they didn't actually advise is, you know, every time you have a brand new phone and there's a little plastic film that you peel off. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. the plastic film <laughs> on the Galaxy Fold has to stay on or else you void the warranty and break your phone. So yeah. they just peeled it off, didn't think anything of it, and then yeah, so uh, caused massive amount of problems. But now you pull the uh, film off now, so nothing yeah, you can do. Yeah, people had that, I think, in America. To be fair, when they came out. Yeah, it's. Uh, but the thing is, why would you not have that as a massive one on the box? You know, everybody I, would instantly peel yeah. it off. It's more to me because it's one of those where, you know, phones have, have gone through this change of getting smaller and smaller and smaller as possible, right? And that used to be the kind of the trend was kind of almost getting a smaller phone compact, doing more and more stuff. And now it's going the exact opposite. It's now actually the bigger the phone, the better. If you think about kind of like the, the Pro series of phones or kind of the Mac series of phones, be it kind of Samsung, Apple, uh, Xiaomi or anything like that, you know, they tend to go for kind of bigger screens, which it's almost like we're going to be walking around with iPad minis as a phone, I think, going forward. It's it's just one of those. And I think the foldable technology is kind of going towards that in the sense that you can have a big phone, but then the fact that it can be more compact and go down to something that's a lot smaller. Um, For me, it's just, I remember the the whole evolution of phones. So 
when the first phones were like came in like suitcases and then there was a the big massive like motor or the wedges with a pull-out aerial and the pull them flap to speak into and then they got smaller and smaller and smaller and then I had the Ericsson T20, which was about that big, which was, I think was known as oh. the Tomb Raider phone. Uh, so many f- good Samsung, uh, Sony Ericsson phones, though. No, this like, is Ericsson, Walkman. not Sony Ericsson. Right. Oh, no, Ericsson. it's Sony Ericsson, just it Ericsson. before Ooh. they merged. So, Ooh. and there was a, um, my friend had the Ericsson T28, which is basically the same size as a credit card. Um, you know, so we, I actually remember all that evolution down to small. But the problem is they went from actually being a phone to being computers. And that's the reason why the bigger, yeah. the better now, because you are basically yeah. carrying around a portable computer. There's a foldable computer that Microsoft have just released. Uh, is it the Jewel or something like that? Uh, basically, but again, that's a yeah. that's a fold-up one that you can have as a bigger screen or like a pyramid and that type of thing. And yeah, it looks cool, but would I ever buy one? No, because if you're going to have something small... Well, yeah, if you want something small, you yeah. have something like an iPhone or a Samsung Galaxy. If you want something big, you have something like a tablet or so an iPad or you know, any kind of Android tablet, or if you want something heavy duty, you have a computer. For me, yeah, it, it's trying to create genres that don't need to be created. But everybody, yeah. will, people will buy them because people like to be cool and different. So yeah. I, th- I think the thing for me is cost more than anything because I, I think it's one of those where people would rather have the smaller phone because it'll be half the price. And actually nowadays that screen technology costs more than the actual phone itself yeah. just to have like a folding screen when, you know, and especially if you, you know, if you think about an iPhone trying to do that iPhones at the moment, Apple are focusing more on kind of the, the XDR screens, aren't they? And kind of like yeah. really good clarity, amazing resolution, uh, kind of high pixel density. They're not going to, have a foldable phone with that same technology on so by having a foldable iphone you'd be kind of losing the kind of retina screen or uh, super liquid retina whatever they're on now they keep adding words to make it sound fancier i think it's the same thing but the thing is if in order to have gimmick you have to compromise somewhere else so in that case it would be the quality of the screen and also the durability so i mean i'm sure technology will change so Eventually, it will literally just need to be a film and an electric connection at the end, and can, everything will be able to get conducted through that. But we're not at that point yet. So, no. Although there, there no are idea. some, there are some cool ones I saw for TVs though. Because as I was thinking about this, I, I kind of was looking into them. And um, have you seen the foldable TV screen? No. I know, no. So uh, I know. Years yeah. ago, LG were working on one that uh, pretty much you could literally just paint onto your wall. And you connected two connections onto the end of it, and then it was actually turned into a TV. But whether it actually came to production, and then I don't think I, I don't I don't think that did. I think I have seen that in terms of concept, but it's one of those that I don't think ever fully uh, came to it really. Uh, but this is essentially like a a rolled up screen that kind of rolls out of a base and comes out completely flat. Yes, I think I have seen that. Itself. Yeah. Um, and it's a really cool concept in terms of like that space saving technology, you know, the kind of thing you can imagine being put kind of in the end of a bed or, you know, in certain rooms that might not have like space for a massive TV all the time. And I do yeah. think those kind of things could, but they're so niche in terms of like needing that extra space, I suppose, or something like that. It just, it's just crazy to me because I, I don't see the advantage of a folding phone. And I asked my friend, like, have like has it made your life better or is it like suddenly you've got twice as much screen to see anything and the thing is it's like he was trying to watch a youtube video and 
it splits down the middle, you can still see the line in the middle. And I'm like, well, what's the point then? Like, yeah. if, it, if it isn't like a continuous screen or like this infinity thing, and I, I just don't see why why you'd want one. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's just crazy. Yeah, crazy. no, I completely yeah. understand. And I, again, technology has to move forward because that's otherwise there's no point in people actually buying new things. You have to have something different. So I understand the, the need for trying to develop that type of thing. But in my personal opinion at this present moment, the way in which the technology stands, the way in which we use the technology and what's kind of available, I'm not really buying into those gimmicks at the moment. I'm sure there'll be at some point in a couple of years' time, maybe five, ten years' time, I'll go, ooh, yeah. I want one of those. But at the moment, it's just not at that point. So, How I- much do you think a Samsung Galaxy Fold costs? Uh, is it something like 1,200 quid? More, more than that. Is it Really? Yeah, yeah, it, it's close to about 1,500, 1,600. It's crazy, it's crazy money. I mean, I can uh, buy a car yeah, for that, so. Price. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just well, not going to buy it on a gimmick. Getting, right? like, yeah, yeah, so, well, when I was younger, I always wanted to have, like, the latest phone, the latest version. Now it's a case of, does it work? Yeah, cool. Does it do anything I need to do? Yeah. Is he going to save me money by not upgrading? I'm sticking with that then. So, yeah. I basically turned into a bitter old man, unsurprisingly. We're not. But at the same time, I think it, in terms of as a consumer, sometimes letting the gimmick have a few iterations first irons out the kinks and all the faults in it. You know, yeah. if you think about the Samsung Galaxy Fold, I think when it launched three years ago, uh, all of them kind of broke and snapped in half and they had so many issues, they basically had to discontinue it. And then the new the new goal, uh, like Samsung Galaxy Fold now, is completely different. I think it's like their second iteration. So they've already kind of ironed out a lot of the, yeah. the kinks from it. So. Anyway, that's enough talk about um, why we're old men and we don't like new technology anymore. <laughs> yeah, and I tried and tested words, but in a Pilsner, if you get chance, uh, if it, especially if it's a decent price, definitely give it a blast over some of your more standard generic beers that you may yeah. get over here. Uh, right, so uh, Peter Falk for this episode is the from Salopian Brewery, and it's called Darwin's Origin. Uh, it's 4.3%. It's basically, it's, for me, it looks like a kind of slightly lighter amber ale. Uh, Darwin's Origin is a beer that represents the evolution of the brewing industry, modern and innovative, innovative, sorry, using raw materials from three continents. The beer is a light copper colour, I'll agree with that, uh, with a zesty aromatic flavour that descends into a long spicy finish. Spicy. Uh, We all all descend into a long spicy finish, don't we, Chris, anyway? Mm, It's very strange. Uh, Great with food, I mean, all beer is. Uh, a wonderful companion with foods that are equally flavoursome, such as curries, mature cheese, or classic British cuisine. Yeah, because classic British cuisine is known for its big, punchy flavours. Right, yeah. Idiots. Oh. Uh, <laughs> right. Actually. Yeah, it genuinely does. Oh, it's... Classic British cuisine. Okay. Uh, yeah, so fish and chips, I mean, that big, punchy flavours that you get. So... Uh, I'm, so you've had a swig, James. So what's your take on the beer overall? Um, yeah, I think I think your amber ale kind of kind of hits that. It is a very kind of British ale, um, comparative to like kind of crap beers. Uh, it's quite flat. It's yeah. not. It's not very um, hoppy at all. Um, I, I think the citrus is right, but it's such a small lingering citrus aftertaste as well. It just seems a little bit, I don't know, a little bit lacklustre from, from my liking, to be fair. It's a bit like a Shepherd's Neem style of beer, you know, the kind of like Master Brew Spitfire type of thing, but a little yeah. a little bit under-flavoured in comparison. 
you do get a little bit yeah. more of the hop flavor, but oh, apart from that, there's not really much else going on. I don't understand. I understand what you mean. It's very easily sessionable, but there's, it's not going to set your world on flame from the no. first cup of taste that I've had. Um, now it's on little, the bottle, it's a little bit. It's a little bit like classic British cuisine in itself, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I would definitely wouldn't run out and have this with a curry. It's like not one of them ones of like perfect curry beer. No, no it's definitely not one of those no. types. Now, Darwin's origin has been brewed to com- uh, commemorate the birth of one of Shrewsbury's famous sons. Charles Darwin was born, born at Mount House, Shrewsbury, on the 12th of February, 1809. Darwin went on to become one of the most influential naturalists with his publication of On the Origin of Species in 1859. His work still influences society today. Now, to be fair, I didn't actually realise that Darwin came from Shrewsbury. Mainly no, because of- me neither. With the exception of Greg Davis, I don't actually know anything else that's came from Shrewsbury. So, yeah, then, I mean, I know the breweries in, in in Shropshire. I just, it's a bit. I feel like they've really forced themselves into trying to uh, to to use somebody like that. I, I think also uh, it's one of the worst text uh, designs I've ever seen. It's almost like somebody's used Comic Sans or something like that. You know, like a child's <laughs> written the blurb. Like it's got like five different font sizes, and every other word is like a different size and different colors. It it doesn't, yeah. I do that thing of drawing keywords, but they haven't done it as keywords. Try to do it as like key sentences, and just yeah, it doesn't really work. It's very much an old man style kind of label to go with the old man it style is. of beer, and, and really. It, it, it's almost like one of those generic beers you sometimes get at farmhouse, you know, like a generic yes, Santa's yes. beer kind of thing that you might get at Christmas or something. It's like, you know, especially, and I think anytime you see something like this, this tastes really good with curries, mature cheese and classic British cuisine. I mean, for me, beers don't normally have those kind of wine food pairings almost. No, I mean, when it comes to cheese, I'm more of a, uh, Ruby Portman, I've got to be honest. I mean, as we're laying into it thick, the only other thing I'd say is I don't really get a spicy finish from it at all. No, not at all. Not in the slightest. Uh, it's just a amber ale that's slightly underwhelming, really. It's probably the best way we can say about it. Uh, right, so that's... Uh, I think we should finish bashing it for, for now. Um, oh, it's like it's like that, um, like meme, isn't it? Like, just stop! It's already dead. Like, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Just kick you into it. Okay. Uh, now, I have actually been uh, watching a new film, James, uh, and new it's film. called Yeah, it's called Wonder Woman eighty four. So, I believe yes. you've watched yes. this. Um, now, before we watched it, I don't watch any of the trailers or anything anymore because I think they give away too much information about it. Um, agreed. Agreed. The reviews were considerably lower than the first one, the one which both of us were a big fan of. I think we spoke yeah. about it previously as well. What was your take on the film overall? I mean, I'll, I'll preface this with the fact that I don't know if you've watched it recently. So I watched it almost a couple of days of it coming out as a, an early release. So in yes. the UK, I don't know about other countries, uh, because it couldn't go into the cinema because of COVID, this thing that's happening. Still not 100% sure what that is, but apparently it's something <laughs> going on in the world. Um, essentially, they, they did a kind of uh, online, you could rent it for 48 hours, but you have to pay like 15 quid for 48 hours uh, to try and recoup some of the costs that they would have made from a cinema. So the thing is, I kind of set about doing that. Me and my girlfriend, who are both uh, living in two different places uh, at the time, 
Uh, I, I bought it on Amazon, paid £15. I thought it's a lot of money, but, you know, we're both big kind of DC superhero fans of, like, most of the movies, so we thought we'd go for it. Turns out you can't have more than two people watch it at the same time, so she ended up having to buy it. So we paid 30 quid <laughs> to watch this movie. So you paid now, cinema prices to watch it at home. <laughs> I'll be honest, no movie is worth 30 quid to watch, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> um, so that kind of... That put a bitter aftertaste in my mouth before I'd even gone in uh, into my as I'd gone into the cinema, gone into my room to watch it on a very small TV. I'll, I'll be very uh, that... careful about saying bitter aftertaste and going to watch it in your room. It's uh, just <laughs> leading you down a wrong path there. Um... Oh, back to the opening statement. No, um, <laughs> no. Um, I think for me, I I liked the movie. Was it a good comic book movie? It was all right. I don't think it was as as good or as edgy as other DC movies or other kind of any, you know, even if we include Marvel movies. But I thought it was okay. I think it was very comical, much more lighthearted. And the thing that I always love about DC, both comics and movies, they tend to be a bit edgier. They tend to not be as kind of, I don't know... um, I think Marvel tends to go for more of a grouped up kind of comedy element to it, especially the newer ones, kind of after the kind of Ragnarok and try and add some of those humour elements to it. Um, and I think it, it was a bit confused. It didn't know where it wanted to go. It had too much kind of lighthearted moments and then tried to be quite edgy and dark, but it, it just wasn't working for me and it didn't seem to particularly gel. And it's a shame because it's a, I don't know, it, it was a good narrative, um, but I think poorly executed. Okay, well, I watched it far more recently than you because I watched it yesterday. Yeah. Mainly because yeah. I'm tight and waiting for the rental prices to drop, so it cost me a fiver. So, I understand what you mean. I think it fell into the trap that the original Daredevil film did with Ben Affleck, where trying to do too many nods to the comic books, which didn't have much reference to the film. Yeah. So it's just like getting the, the invisible plane and, you know, the emphasis on the lasso of truth and that type of thing, and very, I, I'm, I'm trying to work out with the, some of the running scenes where they were purposely trying to do it like a cheesy '80s style um, effect. I think they were trying to get yeah. that, but it just looked like it was dodgy. Um, yeah, no, it did. It it just didn't hit the mark. And I, I I like what you mean about the kind of like nods, you know, stuff like Cheetah and stuff. You know, th- these are kind of some of the comic book people I really like. And I don't think they were particularly executed at all well. You know, I don't think they came out good. I, don't I think, think they could have done more with Cheetah, really. Um, but overall, I don't think it was a bad representation. Now, for me, with the exception to those cheesy nods to the comic books, I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Um, it was a lot better than I expected it to, like, to be, if I'm honest. Um, yes, it was a bit weird with the whole Steve Trevor bringing him back type of thing but I thought it was done in a clever way uh, and also it was a nod to like the whole premise of the story I'm not going to give too much away but essentially it was, the main premise of the film is people wanting what they can't have uh, but when, if you have the ability to get it what can the knock-on effect of it be so for me I actually thought it was a very very I thought it was cleverly done and I really enjoyed it um, but I can understand equally why somebody else wouldn't do. I suppose it all yeah. depends on how much you enjoy actually thinking about the films. Now, we know that you're not particularly intelligent, so, you know, it'd be hard. No, I, 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 I get the themes 
that it's going to and I, I suppose that's the kind of thing that speaks speaks to you to be fair that kind of underdog kind of movie of kind of somebody kind of coming from nothing you know in terms of the villain um, and I do get that but for me I don't know I just there are so many good Wonder Woman um, kind of stories in the comic books in terms of the comic book arcs and I think for me personally it's also in terms of mythology one of my favorite kind of pieces of history as well and there's so much of that to draw on and I just think that this fell flat of what it could have been and I mean if we compare it to like the first movie the first movie is so much better so much better end-to-end in my opinion I just don't I just I don't know things I I feel like it would it was never going to live up to the hype because it was one of the better movies of the whole DC kind of franchise if I'm honest the first one Uh, and kind of after the kind of disappointing Justice League I think there's a lot of negativity about it anyway as a franchise and that kind of maybe made me go into it a bit more jaded but um who knows now it's five pounds maybe I'll watch it again and see what it's like maybe I'll like it again but well, yeah. I'm a little bit disappointed you didn't buy my uh mocking your intelligence but um no I'm, I'm okay with that <laughs> but that's no, really to be honest I I think the first one had a more of a consistently good quality all the way through whereas Wonder Woman 84, it was a little bit more down and up, down and up. However, the stuff that was up, I do think was better than the first. But it's that consistency throughout the film. I do understand what you mean. Personally, yeah. I, I loved it. I thought it was a fantastic film. And if I'm completely honest, I was sobbing at the end. Um, you were sobbing? Yeah. No, I, I didn't find it that emotionally uh, charged at all. No. I mean, <laughs> again, I paid 30 quid, so I was expecting a lot more. But even then, no, I just... I suppose the other thing is, I suppose this is where maybe putting on the heart heartstrings in terms of the the villain and his emotional, I suppose, um, motive for it. You know, very family driven, kind of down on his luck and stuff like that. And maybe you can speak more towards that than me in terms of, know, especially the family part of it, because he's doing a lot for his son, right? And that's I what kind I was of get that. Without yeah. giving away too much away, yeah. uh, we're at very much different stages of our lives. Yeah. Um, and for me, the reason why it hit me so hard and I, like, I, I was sobbing at the end is because it pretty much drew on my biggest fear. So yeah. as, as that type of thing, I think that's the reason why it would affect me far more than it would like you, because, because you've never experienced that situation yet. So, yeah. you know, it's not like it's a wrong, a right or wrong thing. I think a lot of it does depend on, like, what what your life experiences are yeah. so some people will enjoy it more than others and i think because it there is a big family emphasis as well i think that's why you draw like because my wife was doing exactly the same so it's not like it's it was just me yeah so it, it's very yeah. much i think where your where your personal life is at how much you would enjoy yeah. it much but um yeah. As, yeah as as a film i thought it was really really enjoyable and you know definitely i think it's definitely i don't think it's as bad as people have made it out. Yes, there's some cheesy bits in the first 10 minutes. I was a bit like, oh my God, I can see what other people are complaining. But actually beyond that point, it got into the film properly. And like, okay, it's far more enjoyable now. So yeah, um, I I think it's definitely worth watching. And we still haven't caught up on, well, I haven't caught up on the new Zack Snyder Justice League um, I am. I'm halfway through it, Chris. It's oh, a really? long slog. It's a long slog. Four hours. 
I mean, it's it's a long movie to to go through, but um, I think there are some good themes in it. And to be fair, I, to go back to like Wonder Woman, I would still encourage people to watch it. And and the thing is, I like superhero movies, so for me, even though it might be rated pretty poorly in terms of some of the others, it's still a better movie than most in terms of you know what you can be watching. So you know it's not like I would never go back and watch it again but it's just one of those where I don't know I could kind of predict what was going to happen you know pretty much 100% of the way through it like there was no kind of twists and turns for me but again that's knowing the kind of comic book so well as well as to bear just watching so many superhero movies that it kind of goes there but I think maybe the first one had a bit more guessing about who the villain was and the motives and stuff that whereas this is a little bit more tells you what's happening as it's going along and so there's less questions about it it doesn't mean that I know you mean you know you're not kind of waiting to see what's going to happen but you know you kind of know what the plan is you know how it's going to unfold and you're kind of just watching it and that's not a bad thing it just for me personally I like a bit of those twists and turns it was a bit it was a bit more linear in the storytelling process as opposed to having any shocking elements to it so yeah yeah, I do understand what you mean by that and yeah yeah, Wonder Woman the first one is actually my favorite one of the whole kind of DC films um but I still think it's up there with like probably the top three in my personal opinion, yeah. um, it, it it is an enjoyable film, um, and I would I would encourage people to watch it without actually like listening to people's negativity on it. I think it's had a bad rep, but I think half of that is because of a the way it's been released and yeah, you know, kind of everything going on. I think people just want to pick things apart rather than actually just enjoy yeah, things. Yeah, uh, and to be fair, I I think you know the Schneider cut four hours, but actually it kind of shows that the fans still speak through all of that negativity and, you know, they, they still want to see more, you know, they still want to keep the current cast and see kind of a flash movie and see kind of the next part of it and see where that narrative is going to go. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that sticks a little bit and whether or not we kind of go to it. Um, have you seen the trailer for the new Suicide Squad? Uh, no, no, I, don't, I, okay. I purposely don't oh, watch you, any of the yeah, uh, trailers just because trailers, I think it but, yeah. gives away too much. Yeah, well, to be fair, this one wasn't, to be fair, it was more kind of showing you the cast, I think, which I think, because I will say it's James it's James Gunn, right? So he's quite good at kind of not giving away too much. So it's a bit more lighthearted, but it just kind of showed you who the cast were going to be, who, who were playing who in terms of kind of actors and choice. But it's a really strong lineup. And I think, you know... I'm a massive fan of James Gunn anyway, so I just feel like actually yeah. that's what that's what Suicide Squad needed. It needed that kind of lightheartedness and that kind of very comical take to it because you know they don't you know they, they don't need to be dark and edgy. It's that's the fun side of DC is the Suicide Squad part of it. So it'll be kind of fun to see how that kind of uh, well, comes out. I'm one of the rare ones that actually enjoyed the first Suicide Squad. If I'm honest, I mean a lot of people I liked, didn't like. I like I liked the first <clears throat> Suicide Squad. To be fair. Um, the only thing I didn't like was the Joker choice, but that was it. That was more a casting issue than anything. But yeah, I think so. That, um, but I, I, uh, my favourite character was El Diablo. I thought he was amazing. I thought he played a really good part. He but, played pretty good. But other yeah, ones uh, Will bit, Smith yeah. as well. A lot of people are negative about Will Smith, and actually, I thought he, he yeah, I thought he, he did a good, good part. Deadshot, yeah. thing. Yeah, same, same. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that was the um, Darwin's origin was the. Peter Falk for this episode. Uh, now moving on to the Around the World. Uh, it's a beer from Belgium and it's Brugzy Zut. So this is a Belgian ale, I believe, or Belgian blonde. Uh, 6%. Yeah. Um, not really. It's just basically a traditional Belgian beer. There's really not much to read on the bottle, mainly because of 
it's, it's in a different language and I can't understand it. Uh, so this is uh, brewed by the Dehalve Man Family Brewery, which has been located in the historical heart of Bruges uh, since 1856 for its yeah. beer transportation. Sorry, what, in what town was it? Uh, sorry, I can't. I can't understand you. The brewery built a 3.2 kilometer underground beer pipeline under the historic city as a world first. That is amazing. I would love that. Yeah. What time was it? Yeah. Uh, so uh, <laughs> apparently, this tra- translates as uh, as full, which kind of makes sense in terms of the uh, jester. It also makes sense with your pronunciation of the town. What was the town again? Sorry. Anyway, uh, what do you want to talk about next, Chris? What was, what, what was, what was the town? Bruges. Uh, and then they say it properly. Right? Not Bruges. Bruges yeah. No. Bruges. No, no, not Bruges. Bruges. <laughs> Bruges. Bruges. I, I think it was Bruges, but there's an S at the end. So it was like Bruges is what I was trying to say before. But it didn't come out right. <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest. Anyway, so this is, yeah, Bruges full uh, as translation. But thank you. Thank you for keeping that going. That's you great. are most welcome. Uh, yeah, so I've had a <laughs> quick squid. Uh, squid. Oh, I can't even speak anymore. Um, Well, neither neither can I, so I can't make fun of you. (laughs) Uh, It's quite golden in colour, so a little bit darker than what you would expect a kind of uh, Belgian blonde to be. Uh, I've had a swig. Uh, It's not overly complex. It is a stereotypical 6% Belgian beer. I don't like Belgian beers, so um, there's not really a lot for me to say on it. I believe they tend to have a bit of a wheat feel, which is the reason why we're not a massive fan. I'm um, desperately looking at the bottle because I'm like, I can just taste wheat and I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> oh, it, it is this is very... on episode 14. God. It's a very stereotypical uh, Belgian mm. beer, and yeah, I can't say that there's a lot for me to really describe to, tr- to, tr- to try and be uh, a bit nice about it it it's not the worst belgian beer i've ever had that oh, isn't God, necessarily no. a massive positive but it's not the it's not the worst yeah, um, it's, it's, yeah. It, it is very stereotypical i mean we've had some belgian beers that are horrendous yeah. but it's a typical belgian beer there's nothing really that makes it stand out from anything else it is stereotypical if you love your belgian beers it's it's a beer for you to buy we're not belgian beer drinkers so there's not yeah. really a fat lot for us to say on it. I, I think for me, it, it's the wheat element to it. I've always found like a lot of Belgian beers are kind of, it's that drawing line of almost kind of medium bodied. It's not as kind of heavy bodied as like a stout, but at the same time, it's not like a Pilsner or a lager in terms of kind of that yeah. light bodied nature to it. So it, it does feel, feel a little bit more um, kind of significant than that. But I would say though, I can taste the wheat. I personally- You can taste the I wheat? The wheat. Oh, the wheat. The Sorry. Wheat. It's because you don't pronounce cheese. Yeah, that's why. Uh, I can taste the wheat, but um, I don't think that tastes 6%. And actually, I think that tastes, it doesn't taste as strong as um, some of the, the previous ones, to be fair. If we're, uh, sort of like Berliner, if you think about the Pilsner being 5%, I think yeah. the Pilsner probably tasted stronger in alcohol content than this. I, I, know, I know what you mean, yeah. Wheat, it's it's more the wheat sense, that though. does make it yeah. a bit more potent rather than the actual alcoholic yeah. content. Um, yeah, but it's it it's actually not as bad as some of the others. It always has, like, Belgian beer is always like that weird kind of haze. It's kind of, it's refined, but not refined all at the same time. It's not a proper haze, but it's you can tell that yeah, they have tried to clear it up, whether it's been like the way it's fermented or what. But yeah, it's it's just very stereotypical. There's not really a lot much else we can say to it, to be honest. Um, no, not really. 
Yeah. So, uh, what else should we talk about, James? Shall we talk about the world of MotoGP? Oh, why? Why not? Why not? As I, I don't know anything about it, but yeah, why not? Well, I mean, there's not that's the one with the motorbikes, isn't it? It's the one with two wheels. Yeah. <laughs> It is, yeah. Well, basically, it's only just started back. Uh, this is actually the second... Second week. Week. Um, uh, which is actually back-to-back with... In Qatar. So, Qatar is kind of like a isolated track in the MotoGP calendar because it's a like twilight slash nighttime race. Uh, but because of the COVID restrictions and some of the other places, I believe, like Argentina and America, have been ruled at the calendar because of the way the COVID restrictions have been handled over there. They've just done two weekends back to back. So um, a lot of changes in rider setup. So there's like, uh, there's, there's quite a lot of rider moves. Some of the big names aren't still on about. So Mark Marquez is currently still injured because uh, since a arm accident like last yeah. year. So he's been out for nearly 12 months now. So it's quite a big concern of actually how good he's going to be when he comes back. Um, that was his uh, right humerus, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it yeah. annihilated. Yeah, it had like three operations on it, so clearly there's a yeah, massive I think problem. We, 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 I think we talked about that, actually. Uh, yeah, a year ago. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, a whole um, year ago. Yeah. Um, Andrea Davizioso, the, the the person who's like been second in the championship for the last couple of years, apart from last season, uh, he's not even riding anymore. Uh, is, your, is your fate... Is your favourite? Yeah, Rossi. Is he yeah, Fantino Rossi. Uh, he's doing really well. Was penultimate uh, last on the grid. Um, <laughs> Seriously? Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's where they've started the race that's uh, going to be today. We haven't seen the race yet. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of been very strange. But the biggest thing for me is the weather that's been in Qatar. So Qatar is basically a massive desert. Uh, it's very dry, very arid. Uh, and for, for the last two weekends, they've had ma- massive wind and sandstorms. Um, so okay. on, it was quite bad last race weekend uh, with a lot of the riders being caught out by the wind on some of the corners, um, especially with the modern bikes now, because they will have wings on them to try and keep them stable in a straight line. But of course, as soon as a gust of wind hits, that basically means those winds just help them take off and they just crash. So um, <laughs> it's been quite interesting uh and it was quite difficult for the riders last week but the riders this week it's actually been even worse uh i think it was free practice three on saturday the sandstorm was that bad you actually couldn't see one end of the straight to the other and yet riders are still going out to try and get a feel of it just because they didn't know what whether those those conditions were actually going to be during the race today so it's been really, really weird, and there's been a quite a lot. And they're of the kind of conditions it. they'd still play with. They wouldn't stop with those kind of. Conditions. Oh well, it depends on how bad they are. So it wasn't yeah. quite bad enough to stop somebody riding, but it was on the border. So yeah, you know, if they if the if the race is going to go ahead, you've got to have a feel of what it's going to be like when you're out there, just so you know yeah. what you're doing. Because then that's why the reason why they get paid the money. So yeah, yeah, definitely. it's uh, it's definitely been an interesting. So who's, who's, top, who's top dog then? Is it a new rider then? Or? Uh, well, the last race uh, last weekend was won by uh, Maverick Vinales. Um, uh, Joanne Mir finished fourth, um, who's the current world champion. He was a bit unlucky because he was in second place. Uh, but as he came out the last corner, he went slightly wide, but he was being chased by two Ducatis. And the Ducatis at the moment have got so much power 
they can go up to 225 yeah. mile an hour in a straight line. So literally, these two Ducatis literally powered past him and he finished fourth. So in fact, he was in purposely placed in second position. So I think it's going to be a, I think it's definitely going to be an interesting uh, season. And the Ducatis are going to be really strong in some tracks and absolutely terrible in others. But anything with a long straight, you've got to back into a lead, get some decent results. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it's been, it was, last season was a very strange season. And I think, uh, I think it's going to, this one's going to be equally as strange, but for different reasons. But uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So I'm going to quite enjoy is my... It, is, uh, there any, um, is there any British rider in it? No, is that Bradley Smith, guys? No, uh, Bradley Smith was kicked out of the Aprilia team. So uh, it's Lorenzo uh, Sabatori who's taken his rise. So there's actually no British rider inside the why, GP. Why was he kicked out? I think it, when it comes to Premier, it comes to politics. They're not a very good team. Uh, it's not oh, a very okay. good bike. It's not very okay. long run. So essentially, if you're on the Aprilia, that pretty much means you've got nowhere else to go. So uh, we do have two very good riders in the Moto2 class, though. So Sam Lowe's won the race last week. Uh, and we have another up-and-coming rider called Jake Dixon, uh, who's hilarious in his interviews. It's worth watching his interviews. <laughs> He's absolutely brilliant. Uh, he finished seventh, considering the fact that he only had uh, half a wrist on his power wrist. So the one that controls the throttle, basically he had yeah. a massive accident last uh, season, which was at the end. Uh, not only did he break all the bones in his wrist, but he also damaged all the ligaments, and they weren't actually sure if he'd be able to ride again. And he's still, he literally been in physio every single day since that point for like four months to try and ride. Uh, and they weren't sure he was going to finish the race, but he finished in seventh. So, Jesus. I mean, talk about like that, just, that is commitment isn't it yeah yeah gritting yeah. your teeth and you know going yeah. for it um like fair play to him but yeah he's a cracking rider and a really nice personality as well sam lowe's is doing fantastic so i think this season the championship is sam lowe's to lose but it all depends on how his confidence is uh going to be moving forward and then obviously in the moto three we do have john mcphee um again He's got a good chance of the championship, but he needs to keep the bike upright. Uh, crashed out last week, so yeah, it's a bit. In, it's it isn't going to be an interesting season. Uh, we won't talk about it too many times throughout the season, but obviously, you know, it's always worth mentioning it when it starts and yeah. when it's coming towards the end. So definitely worth a blast, especially if you're locked in at the moment. So, well, yeah, yeah. So that was. Uh, I mean, it's one of those as well. It's it's you know outdoor sports. Hopefully, you're about to see live sooner than others i mean we've still got cricket i know they're trialing some games aren't they in in the uk like outdoor games uh so hopefully we're still okay in june because we've got um yeah, we've got tickets to the england new zealand game which is Boston, uh, yeah it's held t- uh, 10 days before the lockdown eases so we're probably not going to be that lucky to actually go and watch it but we can have hope no that's all we need. We can. I, I'm hoping kind of a trialing and the fact that it's outdoors and Edge Baston is one of those stadiums where it's, you know, that I think a lot of people got tickets to it because it didn't particularly sell out very quickly because of the current climate. So hopefully they can kind of socially distance people. And it's also a ground that isn't particularly covered. There's a few areas, a few of the kind of um, stands are, but actually most of them have like maybe a quarter cover or something. I'm thinking like the Wyatt stand, that's a, about a quarter at the back, isn't it? Covered. Oh, no, I think I think that's completely open, isn't it? But most most of them are completely open. I think you know. Where, where we've got the tickets, we're completely open as well. So yeah, yeah, and so hopefully that that kind of helps towards that. I think the biggest thing for me would be um, 
I think it's that social element that's going to be completely different because I imagine half of the bars and kind of uh, stuff around the edge of Edgebaston is going to be closed. Um, And, you know, I think in terms of, you know, limiting who can go inside to get drinks and try and do some of that, I think it's going to be really difficult well we'll be back to standing on the uh, the spots on the floor won't we that's uh, yeah. that's gonna be the next game so and i'll be honest the thing I, i'm curious about and I, I, you know we'll talk about this uh you know in terms of uh this is more, much more directed at the the kind of males watching the, the podcast because i, I have no idea what the f- watching listening who knows maybe by maybe by the time they're they're watching this on dave who knows <laughs> uh <laughs> We'll have some visual elements to it, I don't know. Uh, I'm future-proofing us, Chris, what can I say? Uh, so the people listening to this, I don't know what the female experience is, but I'm, I'm thinking about what if you want to go to the toilet during during the game, you know? If you think about kind of when whenever they take a break and, you know, normally it's a massive queue to go in and everybody's kind of True. packed like sardines and you just try and get an empty spot into it. Like, are they going to out of order every other one and try and do a bit of social distancing to it? Um, it's, I'm just it's saying, strange. if I get, yeah... Uh, I mean, me it's a shy, shy peer as well. That puts a lot more pressure when there's half the urinals to, to pick from. When you're the one standing there taking twice as long, it's going to make it a bit more difficult. So, Well, at my um, workplace, they've just got big do not use tapes to pull over half the urinals, so that's always helpful. So, um, well, I imagine that's what they'll do, to be fair. like that, that's Well, if you're desperate, you just use the sink, yeah. don't you? Uh, right, so... Um, <laughs> Well, very briefly before we move on to the uh, the wild card, uh, we'll quickly took uh, touch on NFL. So the yep. I'm not obviously there's no games being played at the moment. It's just a bit of an update about how the seasons are going to be moving forward. So the new NFL seasons were approved this week. So there's going to be 17 games played rather than 16 games each season. Um, the actual setup of it now is. Every eight years, within that eight-year cycle, one home game will be played internationally. So every team will be abroad at some point in an eight-year cycle to actually watch. So uh, the only team that hasn't played internationally is the Green Bay Packers, which, of course, my team. Uh, So hopefully, at some point, we might actually get a chance to watch them. However, when they say internationally does also mean Mexico has an option. Um, and I do believe yeah. they're looking into bringing the games into Germany as well. So just trying to expand the game as more of a global sport. But Germany's not that far. We'd go Germany. I wouldn't go Mexico to watch the Packers. We'd go no. watch a home game. Yeah. Right? Like if you go yeah, we'll just go to the US but, if you're going to go that far. Yeah. Germany, Germany, Germany's a shout-out, to be fair. And that is one of those once-in-a-lifetime things, you know, given that they've never played an international game. Like if that comes over, that's definitely something we'll think about, to be fair. Exactly, yeah. So, but at least it means anybody who's a fan of an NFL team, you've got an opportunity to see your team, if you haven't before, yeah. in the next eight years. So, and I think, I, I, I think they're going to up it as well. So, I think as yeah. it goes forward, as it gets more successful, I think they will do, okay, it'll be two games, so maybe one home game, one away game, blah, blah, yeah. blah. So, and yeah, I think I'm, England England tends to be that big international one for them as well, mm. more so. And I'm hoping that this bigger chance for somebody like Packers maybe to come over. But at least in the next ten years, maybe you might you might be able to get it. Every team in in the UK that'll be good. That that'll be insane. Yeah. Well, yeah, at least that actually means that um, everybody's got an equal option, and they because there's, there's always people that buy the um, season tickets and they go every year. 
when it comes to the individual tickets, I mean, I know we saw your team, the Seattle Seahawks, but um, yeah, we're still waiting for the Lucy Green Bay yeah. backers to come over. So, I mean, yeah, more importantly, we, we saw the Raiders as well, and they were shocking. They were good. <laughs> um, it is um, is Falcons confirmed to be playing in twenty twenty one? I believe so. Yeah, and I believe the Jags yeah. will do it anyway because the Jags, Jags have always done. Well, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're trying. The Jags have tried to push themselves as the UK team, didn't they? And they. You know, there have been rumours, but they will be the first team to relocate to the UK if they have an internationally based team. So yeah, well, that's the owner as well, isn't it? Um, whatever his name is. Yeah, so Shane, he's got. Um, he's, yeah, he's yeah. um, it's the owner of Fulham, I believe, is it? So yeah, owner, well, he owns the Jaguars and Fulham, right? So yeah, yeah. So yeah. they've already had a London yeah. tie anyway, and they tried to buy Wembley as well, didn't they? Which didn't get them too well. But, um, then they if you're going to make money, why not? Okay, so uh wild card for this episode is brewed by by the Horns Brewing Company, which is based in London, I believe. Yeah, it is indeed. Uh, and it's the reason why it's a wild card is because we have no idea what this is. It's called a brute IPA. Now, what a brute IPA is, I have no idea. It's a small batch brute IPA, brewed exclusively as a Christmas 2020 special. Uh, ice cream okay. is a refreshingly dry and light colored IPA but packed full of flavour from Amarillo, Galaxy and Mosaic hops. Cool, crisp, assertive, yet elegant. And it is 6%. So, uh, yeah, so the brute. Brute. Yeah. yeah, I have no it's idea brute. what a brute IPA yeah. is supposed to, uh, supposed to be, whether brute supposed to be, um, means it's quite a particular pungent flavour. Sparkling, maybe, because you do get the kind of, yeah... Or it could also be it smells reminiscent of the 80s aftershave. Who knows? But um, have you had a swig of it, James? Uh, a little taste. I mean, first off, if we start with colour, it is very light and very hazy, I would say. <laughs> I wouldn't say um, very hazy, but it's a slight hazy, but it's very, very pale. And maybe, like, maybe that speaks more to my glass then, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when was the last time you actually washed it, James? I mean, that's probably the uh, the biggest question. It's like, it's like a teapot. It keeps all the flavour in. Um, that is... Very pleasant for me. I think it's it, it's very hoppy, but very light bodied. I think you know it's almost um, I don't know. I, it's 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 like a pilsner, but a lot more hoppy. I think in terms of if we're going to compare it to some of the beers we've had had so far on the you podcast, know what? I think that's a, a good analogy because it is very light in the body flavor yeah. of it. It's very delicate on the palate in the initial part. Of it. You do get your initial uh, after that. You get your big punchy hops which you expect from an IPA but it's not overpowering it's not massively bitter it's quite sessionable really and doesn't taste 6% at all so I, I actually think the uh, that Berliner Pilsner tasted more alcoholic than this one so... no definitely definitely. this is incredibly dangerous being 6% because like you, like you say it is incredibly light bodied I think it's one of those where you could have this as a summer's drink and, and get pissed very quickly not realising yeah like, yeah yeah. You can easily like you try and walk and your legs won't work. Um, it is very dry in the complexity as well. It's not yeah. a very what's the word I'm after? Not moist, but you, you know what I mean. There's a, <laughs> it has a quite a dry aftertaste to it, really, rather yeah. than uh refreshing. Yeah, not no, thirst, no. Quen- uh, thirst quenching kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, that's yeah, the one. Yeah, yeah. thirst yeah. quenching. I was yeah. like, trying to, I was thinking all yeah. the different words, I was like. None of these are what I actually want. Moist. Moist. <clears throat> yeah, moist. <laughs> I mean, all, there'll be a lot of people that stop listening there because apparently that's one of the worst words you can say. 
what's another one? Fluff. People don't like fluff. Well, let, let's not say all the terrible words to make people turn off. What? You give no, me one good reason why I should no, stop. Well, he's got this far, and it's their own fault. That should be committed to the end now. Right, James. I believe it's time for our order. So, do you want to go first, or shall I? Well, I think I went first last time, so I think I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go first first now. Okay. Right. I think we're gonna have very similar orders. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, for me, it's very very close between the bottom two and the top two. If I'm honest. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'll probably say Darwin's Origin in fourth place. Uh, very closely followed by the Bruzot. Um, the Bruzot was actually a little bit nicer than I expected it to be, uh, and a little bit more drinkable. But as a general rule, I'm not a fan of Belgian beer, so it's just not my particular style of beer and it was not something I'll particularly go to but that particular one was a bit more enjoyable than I expected it to be the Darwin's origin yes it's along the, the lines of uh, an amber ale but it just lacked everything really it just didn't really tick any boxes at all uh, in second place I'm going to go for the uh, Berliner Pilsner uh, that was a very very enjoyable drink um it was. It's got something different to it, hasn't it? That you yeah you don't get yeah. from a standard generic like lager. But yeah, very enjoyable, very sessionable, and I will definitely get it again. Um, but yeah, I think Top Dog has to be Ice Queen from By the Horns. It's it's really easy, easy drinking, and very, very dangerous with that six percent as well. The the nice balance of the hops, the refreshingness, the dryness. Um, it's yeah, it's just really well balanced beer. What's I, your selection, I... James? I hate when we agree, but but God, God, we have done it this time. Uh, I thought maybe the top two would be different from you, but it's okay. one of those. I think they were very close, so I do agree. That. I mean, Darwin's Origin, I think we slated it so so much that it kind of was inevitably we going to be last. But um, I, I don't know. It's a very generic beer. It by, by no means, I think, are any of these bad beers that you can't drink. You know, so although this is fourth place, it is... It's sessionable, but there just isn't much to it, I think. It is, it, you know, like you say, it's like a Spitfire. It's like a standard ale you can get, but it, it's very almost commercialised. It doesn't it doesn't have anything to it, anything of substance. Uh, Bruges Zot, I actually thought that was quite nice, actually. Um, and it is one of those where I didn't like the wheat taste to it, but compared to other Belgian beers, it was actually a lot better. And it did get better the more you drank of it as well. Like my initial reaction to it, I think lessened a little bit and I did, you know, because we're going through a lot of different styles of beer, I think it did get a lot better towards the yeah. end. Um, and it, it, like I say, it wasn't the worst Belgian beer I've ever had. I think, like you say, we don't normally like them. So that's probably the reason it was yeah. rated quite lowly for us. But actually, if you like Belgian beers, that's probably going to be your first place, if I'm honest. Mm. It's a very good Belgian beer. So uh, that's pretty good. Um, and this is where I thought we would differ because I kind of assumed the brute IPA because of the hoppiness, that extra hoppiness you might not like, but it's not it's overpowering. It's not, ex- it's not, it's not overpowering bitter. exactly, and I and I agree. <clears throat> I think Berliner would be my second place. It is one of the best pilsners I think I've ever had. It is really pleasant, um, and like you say, compared to other pilsners, it's light bodied, but it just has that little bit more towards it. That, yeah, something that flavor extra. and aftertaste. It's only a shame we, we can't remember who uh, recommended it because that was a very good recommendation. <laughs> yeah, apologies. Uh, 
Um, if you want to comment to, to remind us, that would be really good, to be fair, just in case. Uh, outside of that, I think, yeah, the ice cream by, by the Horns Brewing Co., uh, Brew IPA, it, it's just really good. It, like you say, it, it's like the Berliner, but it adds that little bit extra to it, that hoppiness, which, you know, somebody who really likes IPAs and, and kind of hoppy beers, it's really good. It's really well balanced. It does not taste 6%. No, it's very dangerous. Um, and that is a, a very, a very dangerous, but very pleasant summer's drink. So if anybody can get hold of that, I would definitely go for that. But to so Berlin as well, I, I would recommend to people, um, you know, because that is a really good Pilsner. Yeah. 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 Both, both cracking beers. And there's a distinct difference between the bottom two and the top two, in my personal yeah. opinion. Yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah, thank you very much. Uh, that was episode 30. Uh, we will be coming at you in the next two weeks with another selection of random beers and some more crap that we've been watching and discovering throughout the uh, our little fortnight. But yeah, but thank you very much for your time. And we shall speak to you soon. Bye.